There's over $500 of prizes to be won at Coastal Leather Supply's first ever build competition. Between October the 1st and December the 5th, you can enter your creations to be judged by expert craftsman Martin Carswell. The theme, pocket-sized. Get creative and test your skills among a fantastic community of crafters. You can even enter multiple creations. Prizes include vegetable tan leather, palosanto tools, Vimeo thread and vouchers. Head on over to coastalleathersupply.com.au or visit them on Facebook or Instagram for details on how to join. Australian and New Zealand entries only. Welcome back to episode 25 of the Joseph M. Leather Podcast. In this episode, I talk to Luke from Old Sailor Leatherworks. Luke is from Scotland, United Kingdom and handcrafts wallets, belts and other leather small goods. He uses luxury shell quarter van and other kinds of leather. His items are handmade using hand tools. Welcome, Luke. Hello. How's it going? <laughs> You're not too bad. So just tell me a bit about, a bit about yourself. Uh, Luke, uh, I live in Scotland now. Uh, I live in the Highlands. Um, I'm originally from Newcastle in England. Um, so I grew up in Newcastle. Uh, once I got to 17, 18, uh, I joined the Royal Navy. Um, I was a submariner for seven years. Uh, so I did a lot of a lot of travelling around the world uh, on submarines. I don't know where I went. Um, oh really? That's the secret, yeah, the secret side of the submarine service. Yeah. You never you never really know where you've been. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it used to be three months at a time under the sea. Um, brilliant career, brilliant way of life. It was really good. Yeah. Um, once I finished that, uh, I came out and. I got into the aquaculture kind of um, side of life within Scotland. Uh, fish farming is quite a big thing across here. Um, so started off as a fish farmer for a small salmon company. Um, got a job on the boats that they had. They had work boats um, for service in the sites for all that sort of stuff that they do. Uh, got a job as a deckhand. Uh, worked my way up from deckhand to first mate and then eventually skipper. So uh, I'm skipper of my own boat now, and yeah, I have to work three weeks on, three weeks off at sea, so in my three weeks at home, I've got plenty of time to make wallets yeah. and do some leather crafting, yeah. Yeah. So why did you choose to go into the submarine, like submarines for? Uh, it's actually a funny story. I went to the careers office, uh, and first off, they had to do an entrance test. And once you did the entrance test, you got a grade. So then that opened up which jobs you were you had available to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did quite well in the entrance test. And the guy the guy at the desk says, well, you can pretty much do any of these jobs. And my question was, which one pays the most? And he said, <laughs> <laughs> the submarine service pays the most. And I was like, right, I'll do that then. So, yeah, yeah I was, uh, was kind of always been in engineering. I did a bit of engineering when I was at school. Uh, a little bit when I was at college, and then that's the the path that I pursued within the submarine service. Yeah. Uh, so weapons engineer. Um, so yeah, that was it. I had never seen a submarine before, apart from pictures on the internet and on TV and stuff. I had they're, never been in one. They're huge things. Like they look little, but they're, yeah, yeah, they're massive. I don't know what's life on a submarine like. It's it's very strange. It's you don't really feel the motion because you're under the water. You don't feel the motion of being at sea. Yeah, okay, so yeah, it's, yeah. It's just like working in a really enclosed space 
for a prolonged period with a lot of people around you. That's kind of yeah. It's like a like a big underwater factory, if you like. Mm-hmm. That's that's the way I kind of see it. Do you like lose track of if it's day or night time? Yeah, yeah. You do everything. Just it all just merges into the same lights are on during the day as what they are at night time. Yeah. So you just forget about what time it is and you just, yeah, work your way through. So that's awesome that you're a captain though. Like think like, what's it like having your own ship? Like you're a captain of your own ship. Uh, yeah. It's, it's good. It's, it's what I've worked hard for Yeah, uh, it's a few years to get to that stage, but yeah, it's brilliant. It's, mm-hmm. It's an excellent way of life. I just love being beside the sea. I live beside the sea. I spend my time at sea. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, yeah, brilliant. Yeah, I've seen some of your pictures where you post, like, a picture of your wallet, like, when you're on, on deck. It's just... Yeah. Really, really nice, the the, the scenery as well. Because, like, yeah, growing up, we um, my dad had, like, a boat, still does, and, like, going out yeah. fishing and all that, like, and, uh, like, during the summer and all that, and... I remember this, uh, there'd be times where it's like, oh, it'd be good to stay out, you know, at night time fishing or something like that, or like sleeping on a boat. Um, yeah. Uh, no, it's, um, I don't know where I'm going with this question, actually. I think once you get into it, once you get into a life at sea, especially if you work at sea and you have a passion for being beside the sea and you love everything about it, it just, it becomes a way of life which is what I've tried to put into my leather work. Yeah. My life is at sea, and it has been since pretty much since I left school, whether it was on a submarine or whether it's been on a work boat or now that I'm skipper of my own boat, traveling about a lot more. I, I look forward to going to work and being at sea on my boat. Yeah. And then I try to put that into, into my leather crafting. Yeah. The two kind of work, they kind of go quite well together. Yeah. I've got, I've always... Right from the very beginning, I didn't want to copy other people's uh, designs and ideas, and I didn't want to be one of those people that, yeah, here's my product, I'm trying to sell something that someone else designed. Mm -hmm. My idea was design my own product, and it can be based similarly on someone else's, but it'll have my theme, like my rolling wave theme. I always try and get that into the wallet somehow. Yeah, that's kind of that's kind of became almost as important as my logo has mm-hmm. the rolling wave design. So yeah, I, yeah. I, I really like that the the fold over one that you have, and it comes yeah. down. I, I I really like that wallet that you have. Um, when you're out at sea for like three weeks, and you come back to land, is it just completely? You sometimes, you'll sometimes step back on dry land after being on a boat for that long, and. You'll try and stand still and you can feel yourself swaying backwards and forwards just with being used to the motion. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's a bit bizarre, but... I love yeah, that feeling, it's... especially when you're laying in, laying in bed and it feels like you're on yeah. a boat still, like, puts you to sleep. It's quite soothing. Yeah. yeah, it is. It's like, I don't know, it's like, that's why you um, rock a baby, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, that's awesome. So... I love the weather up at Scotland. I've never been, but one of the places I, I do want to go is this, the Highlands. I guess it's raining all the time, so you're in pretty rough weather. Yeah, this we get we tend to get quite nice summers. Um, yeah. But when the weather when the weather's rough, it's it's quite rough. Yeah. Yeah. Especially over the winter period. Um, 
100 mile an hour gusts is a thing we take like we'll get that usually once a week yeah um so yeah the weather the weather can be quite um quite rough yeah so what do you catch do you catch salmon or is that no the salmon the salmon's farmed so we just go out to the salmon farm and the salmon are the salmon are uh, in cages um in a mesh net basically and we go out we'll we'll help change nets we can help set up the sites we can do anchor work grid work so that the, the site obviously doesn't disappear in the rough weather and yeah. we're going to be touring sites we can we can do all sorts of stuff it's just we'll travel around servicing the needs of any of the sites okay. within our area so what's a what's a fish farm it's just they have like a huge net out in the ocean and that's just lets yeah they'll have, they'll have a set a set of pens um plastic pens floating in the sea and they'll have a net inside and the salmon will go in there from a hatchery at a young age and then they'll get fed every day and the salmon will grow and then once they grow to a size um where they're ready to be harvested then they'll be harvested and that's that's most of the salmon that you would buy in a supermarket yeah yeah oh, have a little old have have an old sailor leather stamp stamp on the tuna. <laughs> um so, yeah so how did you get into into leather craft very different it's to... always just, yeah it's always just something i've had an interest in mm. um we've got my dad has a, a friend who's who's quite big into his leather work um he makes um cases for shotguns and all this sort of stuff like country sort of side of things yeah. um he'll make slings for them all that sort of stuff and it's always just been of interest and i thought i'm gonna try i'm gonna try and See, I need a hobby, something when I'm at home for my three weeks off. I need something to fill the time. Yeah. Um, and then after watching videos on YouTube and stuff like that, I thought, I'm going to actually give it a go. I'm going to buy some leather. I'm going to buy some tools and give it a go. And then watching people, videos on YouTube and things, and people are saying, you can buy a kit off Amazon for £100, say. But if you really read into it, don't do that because the tools are terrible. Yeah, it might be it might be a toolkit that says it's got fifty tools and only ten of them are something that you'll actually use in your leather crafting. So I thought, right, well, rather than buy something for a hundred pound and use the tools and they're not going to be the best of quality and stuff, I'll have a look, do a bit of research, look into what tools are actually good tools, and then I'll just put my money towards that. I didn't want to waste money on tools that yeah. might not be very good and would need change later in the future mm. but yeah i had a look and then uh i just uh, yeah thought right this is i've always been good with my hands so i didn't think i would be bad at leather crafting so it was kind of it wasn't like jump in and spend a fortune on tools and then six months down the line realize i was terrible at it and then have all these expensive tools to get rid of so um yeah i just looked around seeing what what were decent tools and then invested some money in them and went for it and gave it a go and my first wallet designs uh they were a little bit rough around the edges but overall for jumping in and making a wallet straight away i was quite happy with the way that they turned out yeah so um yeah what, what particular leather crafters uh, I think the most popular on, or the most popular that seemed to come up all the time on YouTube was Little King Goods. Mm -hmm. His videos just, even just the 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 way his videos are shot is, it's yeah, he's just brilliant at what he does. And it's kind of like a tutorial sort of thing. So 
he gives you some good ideas and yeah, he was mainly the first one. Uh, and then just, just whatever else popped up that caught my eye, yeah. I would have a look and yeah, just see how it went. Yeah. So, so when, when was that when you got into leather work? What? It was the beginning of this year. Wow. It was just after the Christmas time uh, yeah. into this that I, that I actually started looking into it. Uh, and then I think I made my first wallet and had a, a few of my tools um, by the beginning of February. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the beginning of February, that's when, and that's when I started the Instagram page. Everything all started all at the same time. Yeah. I made my first wallet, set up the Instagram page, realized that there was a big, a big community of leather people on Instagram. Uh, and yeah, the advice they could give and all that, it was just a brilliant community to be part of, to be honest. Yeah, there's a, it's like a hub pretty much. And you sort of get is, yeah. down the rabbit hole of meeting new other leather crafters and, and all that. I was actually thinking about that today, about where I was at the start of the year to now it's like, man, like the people that I, like the people that I know now and the people I've met, it's like, you can't believe it is, is, um, and it's a shame because I, you don't, you hardly don't see, you don't probably see any of these people in real life. So yeah, yeah. Just, um, so, so how did you learn? Yeah. You know, starting from scratch then. So you got all your tools and you made some more wallets and then, um, I basically, yeah, basically came up with an idea um of a little card holder that's what i wanted to do first um i had originally bought a card holder off uh, i think it was off amazon or off ebay for myself to use uh, it was only cheap and i kind of based my dimensions off the one that i had purchased so yeah that size that'll fit my cards and i drew it out on paper cut the paper out glued the paper together yeah i think that'll work and then drew the stencils onto a piece of leather cut the piece of leather out and just went from there and it was a massive learning curve with the first one it's just some bits worked some bits didn't i took it apart put it back together took it apart and then learning to stitch for the first time i had never done leather saddle stitching yeah. i'd never done that so trying to build a card holder as well as watch tutorial videos of how to stitch on youtube whilst stitching and learning as i go basically so uh, it probably took about, I don't know, maybe a week to do my first one. But in the end, I, I learned a lot and it, it was it was quite successful. Yeah. Now looking back, I think <laughs> the quality wasn't quite there. <laughs> but I suppose for the first one, it, it was to be expected. Yeah. Like you already had your stamp done by the second, the 22nd of March. Like. Yeah, I only had only, only got my stamp only recently. <laughs> I think at the time I didn't I didn't plan on getting into leather and making it a point where I was able to sell goods. Yeah. I didn't think of that at the time. Um, my sister actually designed the stamp. Uh, she designed my logo for me uh, and sent it across. And then I seen on Instagram um, outpost outpost workshop. Uh, a guy called Mike down in down in England. He was making the brass um, Brandon stamps, so I sent my design down to him, and he he made the stamp for it, and I got it uh, got it posted back up and used it on my leather, and thought, yeah, that's my logo, that's what it's going to be, it's going to stay like that. That's yeah. brilliant. It defies my work. It's that's what it is. A life mm. at sea, the sailor, the compass, old sailor leather works. 
How do you get your... You got like the ink. Is that like an ink version? So you dip it in yeah. ink. Uh, that one looks cool. Yeah. I really like that. Yeah. After well, seeing... After it's, like your own, into it's like your own shell quarter van stamp. <laughs> yeah. After getting into leather and then buying some shell quarter van and seeing their stamp on the back and people that wallet collectors, they seem to be quite big on having a wallet with the with the stamp on it, mm. reversing a shell, having the stamp on shore. A lot of people seem to go for that. So I thought, right, well, you only usually get one, maybe two stamps on a shell. So you can't, you might have shell left over where you've, you haven't got a stamp. I thought I can make my stamp, get my logo onto a stamp. Then I can stamp my own piece of leather. That's and it's kind of my brand. Yeah. And it worked out really well. I thought, yeah. So how do you do it? So you, you do you dip it in ink or? It's just, um, it's a, it's kind of a sponge pad and it's got oh, fabric yeah. ink. In it. So you just press it on the top of the sponge pad oh, and yeah, yeah. the leather. Yeah. I know it's, it's so cool. Like that's one of the things that, that stood out. Like when I saw your stuff, like you see, oh, you probably can't see it. Nice blurry hand. Yeah. That, yeah it's like your yeah. own shell quarter there. <laughs> yeah. Old sailor. It's, it's so cool. Yeah. Cause that I mean, wallet was the first time I had used the stamp that wallet there was um that's the wallet that I made for myself oh, I was I'm... always a, yeah I was always spending my time using wallets that what I had made mistakes on and weren't quite good enough and I didn't really think right that's not that being a perfectionist as you say that's not good enough to be able to put out there into the into the public place for someone to buy and then I decided I'm going to make myself a wallet something that I can I can show people if anyone's interested, and that was the one that I made for myself. So yeah, I guess this is a good question, but um, the growth of new leather craft is like that's one thing I'm I'm so surprised of how quick new leather crafters are picking up the 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 hobby or skill. It's um it's incredible. Like, and I, I mentioned before, like. Hey, you're already using Shell Cordovan. Like I, I, the first time I ever used Shell Cordovan was some weeks ago, and I've been doing this since 2018. It's um, like, how did you get the confidence to to use like such expensive leather straight up? Like, um, did, did you ever? Yeah, I think it comes from. I think you can blame it on Instagram. Because yeah. you go on there, you meet all these other leather crafters and you see the the products that they're making, you see the quality of them, uh, and then you see the leather that they're using. And there were so many people out there raving about how good Shell Cordovan was, how good Halloween was. How, and I thought, well, if these people are all making these products and are successfully selling them, then if I want to sell my products, I have to invest in this leather, make a product, and then put it out there. So I bought my per, uh, my first first couple of pieces of shell, and after thinking about what design I was going to do, getting ready, getting everything prepped, my workbench prepped, I put the shell down, and my hands were literally shaking. I didn't want to touch the piece of shell. I was so scared in case I made a mistake, and I just in the end I just thought, right, it's it's only a piece of leather. Yeah, just go. And just make just make what you would do with a with a, a normal piece of leather, and yeah, it it turned out shell cordovan is a fantastic leather to 
to work with. It's so good to cut. It cuts so well. It edges so well. It sands so well. You just—it's just fantastic leather. It's brilliant stuff. Yeah, I couldn't—I couldn't believe when I first used it, it um, how easy it was to like bevel and and um, pretty much as I was making the wallet, I was pretty much learning it as I went. And there'd be times where I think I'd like cut off a little square and just like test it out, just to like a piece, yeah, yeah. just to see how it would how it would go. Um, it's, it's interesting, like, it has its own sort of unique trend sort of thing. Like, you don't you don't dye the edges, you leave them plain. Like, it's, yeah. it's such a fascinating... Oh, I do want to get some more, but it is very expensive. And um, one thing I am... Like, with the Halloween show in particular, because you, you only get the one stamp, and that's it. Yeah. Is it, it. Is it hard to sell the rest of the shell? Uh, with the Halloween, I only just received my two, the first two shells that I got in Halloween, um, last week, and I haven't actually used them yet. Yeah. What colours have you used them. Um, it's marbled black. Yeah, yeah marbled black. But yeah, I'm, I'm not sure what to do with them yet. I've just seen them and thought, oh, they're nice colours. I want to try, I want to get them, I want to try them. Um... But holding holding the the Ricardo shell and the Halloween side by side, there doesn't seem to be a lot of difference in quality and texture. Um, yeah, they they seem very similar, but the Halloween's a lot more expensive. Yeah, do you get more do you get more stamps with the Ricardo? Like, do you get like four? Yeah, yeah. I've got a I've got a large Ricardo shell, um, which I bought a couple of weeks back. I haven't. I haven't cut into it yet, but it's got three stamps on the back. Oh yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, when yeah. I got when I got my little panel, it had like the stamp, and I was like, "Yes, like, I got a stamp!" Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> so happy. But um, yeah, it's a it's a very interesting leather. So, what what other leathers do you use? Do you... um a variety of different stuff? I've yeah, I quite like um the what is it koala. I think it's from Belt Production. I got that in a few different colours. That was really, really good leather. Uh, nice yeah. to work with. Yeah. What was that? Yeah. What was that? There's that other shell cord event, that one from Tuscany. What's Is that? Is that Ricardo as well, or is that a completely different one? Uh, no, I think it's just Shell Cordovan. It just comes with the with Shell Cordovan Tuscany Italy on the, yeah. on the stamp. Um, it's pretty similar to be fair. It's it's very similar stuff to the Ricardo. Okay. The, the, that what's that camouflage-looking shell that you had? That one was cool. I saw. Um. Oh, that's oh, the Ricardo shell. Yeah. Yeah, all multicolored. Oh, that's the like. Oh, that's the one that built sell. The uh... yeah. Yeah, they had they had two that they put up one day on their story, uh, and it looks it looks like. Kind of like paint's been spilled on yeah. it, or dye's been spilled on it, and yeah, I seen two of them, and they, um, they said in the story that they were available, and I thought, oh, they're unique. I've never seen one with a finish like that. I've had yeah. some marble shell and stuff, and I like I've never marble. had one. Like, yeah, I contacted them, and they sent it across. I've actually got the shell over there. Yeah, uh, I've not actually used it yet, and I don't know what to use it for. Yeah, but yeah, I I can totally understand when you said about how you. Were- you're nervous to cutting to the um 
to the show because I, I was making I recently posted on my story the that leather bag I made and I remember like there'd be times when I was making it where I was too scared to go to the next step because I didn't want to stuff it up but yeah. it's like in order to complete the bag you have to go to the next step and it was like yeah. this weird like I really noticed that within myself I was it was very procrastination like I would do it and then like come back and just sort of ease off a bit and then I'd like no I have to go back and do it and um it's so interesting <laughs> like but yeah it's, like you said it's only leather like there's you know it's not yeah, like the only you, piece you get, in the world you can always get another one yeah you get caught up in the the cost of it yeah you get caught up in how much this one small piece of leather has cost you and that's mm. why you're fighting to make a mistake because if it was a whole side you wouldn't be so fussy about making a little mistake or stuff like that. So yeah, yeah. If you're going to work with Shell Cordovan, you've just got to get in there and work with it. Yeah. And the finished product, it, it's just yeah, they're always beautiful. You look at them and think, wow, that's incredible. The yeah. leather is incredible. It worked. It's yeah, yeah. Um, the next one is so the how did you get confidence to sell your items? Because um. Yeah. Uh, it was mainly showing friends and family and stuff my products at first and getting them to ask for products. They were like, oh, I really like that wallet. Will you be able to make me one? Could you make me one of these? Could you do this? And I made my first belt, and then my dad asked for a belt, and one of my neighbors asked for a belt, and then a family member asked for a belt. And I thought, right, so I'm obviously doing something right. If these people are asking yeah. for these products, then... It's not just because it's me that's making them. They're asking because the products are nice, they'll sell. And after that, then, yeah, I went in to try and find some packaging, what I thought would, would work, and try and find a platform um, where I could sell from. And Etsy seemed like the best idea to start off with. Mm -hmm. um, I did have a little a little section on my website where I could sell things. and But the website, in order to be able to sell them from the website, um, the website was quite expensive to run, so Etsy yeah. was the cheaper kind of alternative. And only being in my first my first year still um, of making and trying to sell, and it's more of a hobby rather than a business. And yeah, Etsy seemed like the better the better starting point anyway. You get some because um, I've had an Etsy store. You get some good um, an analytics from people searching you and finding you and all that. Yeah. It's pretty. It's pretty impressive, like for, um, like how cheap it is as well. You know, compared to a website, yeah. someone has to find you. You know, or find a link, or, um, yeah. It's... I think that's the hardest part of it is the mm. advertising side of it. If you've got your own website, it's difficult to get your website out there so that enough people see your products. Yeah. Whereas Etsy, it's like a giant marketplace. Mm. Um, yeah. If you just put if you put the correct tags alongside your products, then people searching for those products will find you. Yeah. And I know, like, for me particularly, if I if I can't find something I want, I'll go I'll go to Etsy. One thing that I really needed was um, I needed these um, posts. Do you know the, like, where you f for the bottom of bags, you stick the brass and screw them in, like, for the yeah. bottom of the bags. And I went on Etsy, and, like, I exhausted my way through, and there was someone on Etsy selling them. So, um, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's sometimes a lot easier to use Etsy, especially when you're looking yeah, for that is. sort of thing. Yeah, it because is because there's so vast 
vast amount of the product. Whereas if you went to a certain, I don't know, like a leather craft shop, they might only have a small selection. Mm. Etsy will have a huge selection for you to choose from. Yeah. And I always, I always find it. You look at one product and it opens up a rabbit hole, and you end up looking at ten other products that you you didn't really need, but you look at anyway because they're there. And yeah, it's just a yeah, it's a yeah. brilliant platform for for especially yeah. for um, the leather crafting side of it. Yeah, the the uh, the items you're inspired by. Yeah. Um, I take inspiration from everyone's work, everyone on Instagram. That tends to be the platform where I spend most of my time, uh, look at most other leather products, follow the most leather people. Um, so, yeah, I, everybody does their own thing. Everybody does their own products, and everyone has a, a product that's very similar. So take a little bit of inspiration from what you see on there, see the products that they seem to be having success with, and then try and put your own take on it or try and bring my nautical theme into the way that I make the wallets so the rolling wave my logo um, that sort of thing so yeah I think my all my products have kind of based loosely around products that you see on on Instagram on other people's pages yeah and what items would you like to create in the future um I made a tote bag a few um, yeah I saw that yeah, that was just with some some really cheap, big pieces of leather that I got from uh, Metropolitan Leather in the UK. Yeah, was that, um, that genuine leather? Is that that? Yeah, yeah, the leather splits. I've, I've do, yeah, the leather splits. Yeah, yeah, I've looked into that. There's heaps cheap that stuff. Yeah, I think it was fifteen pounds. Yeah, for <laughs> eight, eight foot of it or something. It was I, it was a massive amount anyway. But just as I wanted to use something cheap that I didn't mind making mistakes with because I'd never made a bag before. Yeah. Um, I watched a couple of videos on YouTube of people making tote bags, and then I just roughly drew out uh, a template on some card, cut it out, and then went from it went for it from there. And it turned out all right. By the with the finished product, I knew where I needed to change a few things. Yeah. I'm trying um, to find. Yeah, but yeah, I'd like to. I would like to make a decent quality. Um, a decent quality one out of some good leather. Yeah, I my mum's always looking for a bag, and I haven't got around <laughs> to making one for her yet. So yeah, oh, there's so much effort that goes into a bag. Like, um, you know, if you want to add a pocket, and it's like there's more effort to make another pocket. And yeah, when you yeah. look at those bags that have all these pockets, you're like, wow, there's so much effort that goes into, um, yeah. So how, I didn't how... realize how much stitching was involved. Yeah. My fingers by the end of it. And you have to get pretty creative with the stitching pony as well. Yeah, yeah. To stitch it all together. It's um. Yeah. Yeah. How I is... think the hardest part was pulling it back through the correct way in the end. Yeah. It was like a fight. I was sweating by the end of it. It was hard work getting it the right way around. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah. When I did tote bag, I didn't do it inside out. I did it um instead of you know you fold the edges in like that. I just did them yeah. across ways like that, so you don't have to <laughs> flick it back yeah. out. Um. Yeah, that's cool. So, yeah, so what's that the, the split leather like? How thick does it come in? It was kind of varying thicknesses. Some yeah. of it was thicker than other parts. I was actually thinking of that stuff, and I was like, I'd like to get some just to... Because I, I did make a prototype of a bag, and I used, like, Italian leather for it, but it was so expensive. Like, you know, for a prototype, it's quite expensive yeah. to use, yeah. whereas yeah, that genuine... that The split leather is... 
It's handy stuff. I actually went, yeah, I actually went on Instagram and I put on my story that I was looking for some cheap leather to do a prototype of a bag. And I can't remember exactly who it was, but someone recommended all uh, Metropolitan do splits every yeah. now and again. And I was lucky enough that they had some in stock when I went on and I thought for £15, you can't really complain. Yeah, they're it's, real good. Yeah. yeah, it's, but yeah, for anyone that's planning on making a bag and is just looking for some cheap leather to practice with, it's brilliant stuff. Mm. I definitely recommend it. Um, what I did I ask you that question? Items you'd like to make create in the future? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the tote bag. I would oh, like a uh, yeah, yes. uh, a couple of tote bags just out of some some better quality leather. Yeah, um, and a watch strap. I really want to make my own watch strap. Yeah, they're cool. I made one here. the The battery's gone flat on my watch, though. I need to get it repaired, but it's quite fun to make because they're such little items. Like you don't need much leather for it. Like I was actually quite surprised. Yeah, yeah. I like to make one out of shell cordovan so it matches my wallet. Oh yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'd like to do that. So would you maybe line, one day. Would you line it on the opposite side or just keep it plain? Uh, I think I would maybe line it. Yeah, I'd I'd, I'd do a little bit of research first and yeah. see, but yeah. yeah, I think it's slightly. Yeah, I don't know. Shell might be thick enough just to have a one single thickness. Yeah, well, you could just do it. Line it with shell. Make it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Maybe would that be. Oh, three millimeters. That's not that thick for a watch strap. If you were to line it with shell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, how was using fabric in that wallet you made? Uh, extremely difficult. Yeah. Did you like? Cut, never... did, did you cut it short off the end so it wouldn't? So it was easy to burnish, or? Uh, it was maybe two millimeters shorter, but so that it still was within the stitching. Yeah, yeah. So I glued it in place at first, and then stitched it um and yeah it just every time i folded the wallet it lifted itself back off and it wouldn't sit it just wouldn't sit correctly and it was it was really frustrating and i think that's yeah. why i've not again since then yeah i haven't made another one and i haven't used any of that fabric again Did you... um it looked really good it looked really good the finished piece but it yeah. was just really time consuming and difficult to use did you glue like the full fabric or just the around the edges uh, I tried both ways. I tried gluing the full fabric, but then yeah. it creased and lifted off the back of the leather. And then I tried gluing just the edges, and that worked a lot. That worked a lot better. Yeah, yeah, okay. Our second sponsor of this episode is Artisan Sun. Artisan Sun leather care products were created for crafters in mind, not corporate greed. The son of all the artisans who came before him, Artisan Sun Australian premium wax based products, handcrafted using all natural ingredients. Their top-selling product is their leather conditioner. Unlike other leather conditioners, Artisan Sun leather conditioner is wax-based, made the old-fashioned way to ensure your leathers stay looking good for generations to come. Artisan Sun also has its signature leather heritage oil, which is ideal for rehydrating dry leather and is an excellent tool for using pre and during leather dyeing. Got dirty leather? Artisan Sun also has a range of cleaning solutions from genuine horsehair brushes to natural oil-free leather soap. Protecting metal from surface rust, Artisan Sun Metal Conditioner keeps metal protected from oxidation, all natural and petroleum-free. They also stock fabric wax, wood conditioner, and the Heritage Leather Care Kit, containing some of their well-known products to clean, hydrate, seal, and protect your leather goods. Check out their products which have seen generations of use at www.artisansun.com. Candy edges. <laughs> oh. Candy edges, yeah. Um, after seeing 
after seeing um, Lighthouse Leather and Dia Dagger and some of the other, the, the big names in leather, if you like, um, spending a lot of time on their edges and getting, especially with Shell Cordovan, getting those almost glass-like finish on the edges. It was just one, it was just, after seeing them, it was something that I wanted to do. I thought, I want to make a wallet and I want to be able to have my edges as good as what they've got them. I'm not quite there yet. Yeah. Still, oh, you're pretty still good. That, that one, I was looking at one of your wallets then, and it was actually really impressive. Um, The Fathom. Yeah, the other day when I was talking to um, oh, one of the leather crafters, I-K-K-I Leather, I think it is. Yeah, those three, yeah, Light, Lighthouse, I-K-K, and Dear Dagger. Yeah. He was giving us a. He was giving us some tips, and he said to to invest in some of this micro mesh reusable sandpaper. It goes up to twelve thousand grit, uh, and the highest I had went was just normal sandpaper. It was three thousand grit. So I've I've bought some. I haven't used it yet, but I've bought some, and I'll give it a go. Yeah. But yeah, I was speaking to him, and he was saying it's it's so much effort, but it's definitely not worth the time that it takes. So yeah. it's just a kind. Of, it's just one of those things. I don't think you would gain any more money or sell a wallet any better because it's got shiny edges if it had slightly less shiny edges. So yeah. it's just, it's one of those things as a crafter, I just want to be able to do it. That's, well, yeah. Well, when I made that Shell Cordovan wallet, um, I didn't do like um, the candy edges. I just, um, and it's just like, I feel bad for not doing that. It looked fine, but it's not like... Um, it's very satisfying yeah, no. when you like people they show their wallet and they like slowly turn and the light just reflects off the whole edge just yeah. beautifully. The one that I did the other day, I, I purpose built the wallet just so I could do the edges. So I did a, a I did a wallet that was double the thickness of what it usually would be. I wouldn't actually make one of them and sell it because it was it's just not the sort of thing. It wouldn't be practical mm-hmm. to use. And um, I just wanted the three colors of leather. And I wanted to get it as shiny as I possibly could. And I took about four hours trying to wow. shine those edges. Yeah. And yeah, it's it turned out okay in the end. I'm still not happy that I got it as shiny as I could have. Um, but yeah, it's just one of those things as a crafter. You think, well, if he can do it, I want to be able to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So, how, how long does it take to actually do, get those edges so shiny? Like, so you, um, so you, you cut it, and then you start yeah. off with like the edges and was, I started off with 600 grit then went 600 with some tokenol 800 1000 12 uh, 1200 1500 2000 2500 3000 and then the uh, canvas I've got a little burnishing canvas I used yeah. that in the end and just that with a little bit of tokenol and just kept kept going and going and going and yeah, the whole process the other day took about three and a half four hours. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Like I say, the amount of time that you spend on it, and you're not going to gain any more money because of it. If you if you're making wallets to sell, that's it's not really uh, it's not really you're not really benefiting from it because you can get a good shine even just up to a thousand a thousand grit yeah. sandpaper and token all and then a bit of canvas at the end, you'll get a good shine. Yeah. Do you, do you put water on the edges of um, shell? Um, occasionally, but not. I, okay. I tend to, not too much. I tend to use uh, tokenol more. Yeah. And then you have... Sometimes some... tokenol with a little bit of water as well. Sometimes get a little pot and mix the tokenol half and half with water, and that okay. tends to give you like a, 
a bit of a like a thinner solution it seems to apply a bit easier and then buffs up better yeah yeah i was wondering what the ratio for the token oil to water was okay so it's 50 50 then um yeah 50 50 was working fine for me so i don't know if anyone else out there uses a different uh different ratio yeah does um uh how do you seal the edges do you just use do you just um got do you use that columbus wax or whatever yeah i've got yeah columbus wax is what i use yeah yeah okay yeah because when i did that wallet i um i sealed it with beeswax and i sort of melted the beeswax into the edge but the problem was that it sort of burnt when it it burnt some of the the leather so there's actually like some dark yeah. spots like along the yeah. the edge but um i tend to just take the stick of columbus wax and just literally rub the center of the columbus wax along the edge of the wallet so it yeah. gets a, a kind of a thin sticky coat and then just get my canvas burnishing canvas and just rub it with that yeah. and that generates enough heat just to melt it in and seal it yeah yeah, I had I had a similar problem. I put some, I melted some down, and I put it on, and it kind of burnt the edges of the leather, and I wasn't happy with it like that. Yeah, so yeah that's the, think, that's one of the good things about when you dye the edges is that you you can hot you you know the 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 burning doesn't show up. Yeah, if it's, yeah, if it's black. So yeah, um, your, your crafters that you're in, inspired by. Yeah. Um, I'd have to say. Yeah, Daga definitely products are they're just something else. They're just stunning. Every piece he makes is beautiful and presented. The edges are beautiful. The leather he uses seems beautiful. It's just yeah, he's a big inspiration. I think he is for everyone out there. Yeah. Um and Lighthouse Leather, brilliant product. Um, really nice finishes. Yeah. Uh, and then yeah, just Everybody, everybody out there is doing their own thing, and they're all inspiration in themselves. Um, mm-hmm. everyone's doing, everyone's doing brilliant stuff. So, I take a little bit of inspiration from everywhere. Yeah, I've been in the habit lately of asking, like when I've ordered from suppliers, to um, to ask for um, what's it called? Samples of leather. So I think when I yeah. when I got the last one of from Belts Production, um, I think I, I might have asked them to sew in some shell or something like that because when you get samples, it makes a huge difference. To, um, and yeah, so when I when I got my that recent shell, I got like some green shell quarter van, um, some pink one. I got some of the the Japanese one. The what's it called? The uh, it's not the Shinki. It's the it starts with an O. Ogawa or something. Yeah, that one. Yes, yeah, yeah. I've never actually used that one. I've looked at it, but I've never, I've never got around to using it yet. Yeah, yeah. I've never asked for any samples, but I have asked for extra photographs. Oh, always, uh, like, like definitely. Ask. Yeah, especially if I'm buying shell, I'll say, right, well, this is the kind of shell I want. Can you send me some photographs? Because the very first piece of shell that I got, um, the photograph on the website that I bought it from didn't look the same as when it arrived. And the, yeah. the lighting, the lighting that the photograph was took in was very much different. And to see the, to see it, it was quite disappointing actually to see. Right, well, and it's it's not quite what I was expecting. It was going to look like still a beautiful piece of leather, but it looked very different. So yeah, I think, um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, next time you get some leather, like ask for samples. Like I've I've got into a habit of asking for samples, and they usually send you like a fair amount. Like um. 
actually belts you belts production they usually send you samples without asking i remember yeah belts do that every time i've had an order from belts they always send five or six different types of little offcuts of different types of leather it's quite a good thing actually to get that in your order because it's leather that i wouldn't usually have looked at or on the website have looked at and then i thought actually i could use that yeah so yeah it's definitely appreciated from belts that do that yeah you know, sometimes a panel can be, you know, it, it is cheap to buy a panel, but sometimes it's like, oh, I don't really want to have to buy a panel because, you know, you, it is, you know, you still have to pay a bit for a panel. But yeah, even if you just get a little strip, it makes it so easy because it's like, okay, you can feel it, you can bend it, you can see how it works. And that's sort of enough to make a decision if you want to, if you want to use it. Yeah. Have you ever, um... I don't know, a bit of a weird question, but thought the boat was going to capsize at any point? Like, is there a... Uh, actually, yeah. In the in the winter time last year, went out in some weather that we probably shouldn't have really went out in. Yeah. It was quite, a, it was quite, quite a, an awful day. And, yeah, we just took a, we took a roll and wave to the side of the boat and the boat went up and I thought, that was the one time I thought, She's going to go over. She's not going to come back from this. Yeah. But she did. She, she, yeah, she rode it out. And I've, I almost went out my seat and everything in the wheelhouse. You can strap everything down. But when a boat takes a roll to that extent, it's, the fire extinguisher came out of its housing. Wow. Bottle water came out. The fridge moved. And yeah, everything just went over the side. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Some it's, weather can catch you out. Weather's definitely a... It's definitely the the biggest concern when you're at sea is constantly monitoring the weather. Yeah. Because yeah, if you if you're ten mile off or ten mile away from land and you get caught out, then it's a long way back to a safe haven of a port. Yeah. Isn't there? There's a thing on the boat. If the boat capsizes, it like sends it a distress signal. Do you have? Yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll have a we'll have a SART, which is a search and rescue transponder, and we'll have an EPUB, which is a an emergency positioning beacon. Yeah. Uh, they can both be saltwater activated. So if the boat wow. does sink or if it goes upside down, they'll set themselves off. Yeah. Um, same, as, same as the life raft. That's in a, it's in a quick release housing so that if it, if the boat does capsize or sink, the quick release housing mechanism will release itself and the, the life raft will float to the surface. That's cool. Is it, um, is it illuminated at night time? The light? Yes. Light? Yeah. That's yeah. cool. Uh, thankfully, I've never been in a, in a situation where I've needed to be in the life raft, but I've done a lot of training courses and I've done some training uh, on the sea in life rafts and they're not a pleasant place to be. Oh, really? Not pleasant, yeah. The Even on a cold day, once you've got five or six people in that life raft, the heat is unbelievable and the motion, because it's a soft bottom, it's not a solid platform, you get you get thrown around quite a bit and they always say one of the most important things you can do is have a seasickness tablet straight away because you guarantee i don't get seasick but if you're in a life raft for more than 10 15 minutes you start to feel the effects of the motion and it makes you feel yeah. sick yeah, I've, yeah. I've, I've never been seasick before like is that just can you get conditioned from from it if you're if you've been on a boat like out when you're a young age because i've never i've never been seasick at all i think you can and i think it tends to be if you went out in some really bad weather you would maybe start and feel a little bit seasick but it depends how much time like these the fishermen that go out and they're off for a couple of weeks at a time 
they go out in any kind of weather and they don't seem to get seasick. And I guess it's from spending a lot of years doing the same thing. Yeah. Uh, I think your your body must just get used to it. Your your balance, your sense of balance, must just get used to it. I guess I'm not. I'm guess I, I guess I'm also not going out like out into sea. It's more so you just going off the shore. So you probably yeah, yeah. you're not going to get it as bad. Um, it, it's mainly just the the balance of your ears, isn't it? Like yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you tend to you tend to be a lot better if you can see the horizon. So yeah. if you're in a boat and you can you can you can focus on the horizon, it'll stop you from because it's not your perception of your balance and everything is. Is still okay because you can see the level horizon. Yeah. I think if you were inside, inside a boat with no windows and you were within that motion, it's difficult to sense which way the boat's going to move. So yeah. I think that throws your balance a little bit and makes you kind of feel the motion sickness. So that actually does help looking into the horizon. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So how can um can a boat go a lot quicker than a submarine? Uh. Yeah, submarines are quite, they can go, they can go quite fast, but they don't tend to go fast. They tend to just sit at a steady speed and the same depth, and they just stay at that depth and that speed for prolonged periods. Yeah. Um, But yeah, some of the the big boats can reach quite high speeds, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Did you ever do the, um, where they, like, get the submarine and go through the ice, like, up? Through the top? No, I've never, no, no. never done that. No, yeah. um, it's with the with the British submarines. It tends to be the hunter killer type submarines. They're the ones that go up to the Arctic and they'll come through the ice and stuff. On yeah. the nuclear deterrent boats, they kind of just once the once they submerge, they just disappear for months at a time. Yeah, no one where they are. They never get seen. The whole point is to remain undetected. So you're basically just hiding from the world for three months. And then once one of the other uh, deterrent submarine takes over the patrol, then that's when you come back and go back into the port. Do you, do you miss it? Um, I do and I don't. I think yeah. at the time at the time I was I was a young guy, I was single, and it was, I, I've always said the submarine service is kind of a single man's lifestyle because you're away for so long. Mm-hmm. And you can't really communicate with the outside world and all that sort of stuff. Once you get a family and things like that, it's it's not the sort of thing you want to be away for three, four months at a time. It's a long time to be away from your family. Yeah. Um, so you can't so, even yeah. you can't even like go on your phone or on the internet down. No, you you don't have any access to anything like that. The only wow. thing that you um you get what's called a family gram, and you get you get 120 words from a person that you've chosen as your family person for when you're away. So once a week, you get 120 words. They can send you a message, but you can't send anything back. You don't want to get into an argument. <laughs> you have like 120 yeah. words. <laughs> when, it's, uh, when it's sent in, the the guys in the, um, in the room that receives the messages, they read through it to make sure there's nothing sensitive in there or anything that's, going to cause you to have a problem whilst you're away. So you you just get this little thin strip of paper about an inch inch uh, in width with 120 words on it. And it tends to be your family will send you the same thing every week. The weather's nice. We've been to the pub. We've had a meal. We've done this. We've seen this person. And that's all you ever get. 
that's uh, that tends to be your communication with the outside world so i guess the, the closest you'd get to that is if you're probably in like the special forces or something high up yeah. like you wouldn't get that in like the regular army or i don't know i'm not yeah. affiliated but... that's the, I think that's why you get paid more as a submariner not only is it's more dangerous because you're under the sea obviously in a dangerous environment but you're away from the outside world for such a prolonged time so that's why they pay you more because if you are on the surface and you are in the navy on a ship you have your phone you have access to the internet you go into ports and you can go ashore and go for a walk around go to a pub you can do all that sort of yeah. stuff whereas on in the submarine service so. so no one knows like you only the the only a few people know like the mission that everyone's doing yeah yeah i think the only people that would know would be the captain and the executive officer yeah and then when you're away at sea, it's the captain and the navigator. They're the only people that know whereabouts you are in the world. Wow. As well as the the people down in, like, the offices in London. Because, um, so nuclear subs, they don't need to be refueled at all. Because I've done some research recently on them. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so they, they're not, like, you know, you don't, have, you don't have to rock up to a gas station. No, you no, it's all, keep... it's all provided from the reactor. And I think this year... I think researching it online, they say something like 25 to 30 years yeah, that's of, what they said. of fuel to keep it going around the world. and Yeah. yeah. Wow. I think it's just the only thing that slows them down is the crew and food for the crew. Yeah. That's the only thing that really... Yeah, it makes its own fresh water, the submarine, and it makes its oh, own really? oxygen. Yeah, so the only thing that's the, the, the limiting factor of how long you can stay away for is the crew and food supplies. Wow. I've never spoken to a submariner before. Yeah, there's, they're not... I think it's because there's not very many. Yeah. Um, I think even outside of the Navy, I think um, I only ever met one other submariner in my life. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's just... It's quite, a, it's quite a strange thing. Yeah, a secret of life under the ocean that no one knows and... You only see what you see on TV, what they want you to see, if, if you know what I mean, like yeah. documentaries, movies, and yeah, yeah. submarine movies can be uh, very, very far-fetched. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, I can imagine it. Um, all those uh, those guys that go like to the bottom of the ocean and have to like be in the decompression chambers to like come back up, what are they? They're like yeah. the... Yeah, there's like... um so far beyond what's on land so well like what sort of survival training did you have to do um we just did uh it's a big tower it's i think it's 35 meters high this tower and it's it's basically a very deep tank of water mm-hmm. so um it's got a it's got a little submarine escape hatch at the bottom uh you get into this escape hatch and then you've you've got a suit on with an an, an air supply um, and you basically open the hatch and then you shoot to, up to the surface. So that's to simulate escaping from a submarine that's on the bottom. Wow. Um, so, yeah, we did that. And that's a, it's a bizarre experience that it's it's quite strange. Um, hopefully you would never have to do it because it's not a nice experience escaping. Yeah. And, but, yeah, um, that's basically it. And then you do a lot of, like, firefighting, damage control, yeah. That sort of stuff in case in case you have any of those emergencies on the submarine. So yeah, um, yeah. So what is it like a little oxygen thing that you put in your mouth, 
and then you switch. you're basically in a suit and the suit has a hood oh, yeah. and your 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 suit is inflated so that you can breathe normally like we would inside this hood the hood is filled with oxygen yeah um, and that gives you the buoyancy for you to to shoot up to the surface that's cool because then you don't have to like worry about so do you have to like exhale as you go up or you can just breathe and you're fine to uh, if you're in the suit you can breathe normally but if you have to do an escape and you haven't you haven't been fortunate enough to get in a suit and you have to escape um then they say yeah you have to exhale all the way to the surface so as you're, as you're going up the oxygen obviously expands in your lungs so yeah you i did that as well and you think at the time before doing it you think well i'm going to run out of oxygen it's 35 meters how am i going to exhaled all the way to the surface but you just have an endless supply of oxygen whilst you're going up obviously because of the expansion of oxygen in your lungs but yeah that's it's it's really good training it was excellent training to do it's just really bizarre it's out of the ordinary if you yeah. know what i mean so i know it's also um like when you panicky a bit you sort of um you feel like you can't get all like you like it's like before you do some you really have to calm yourself before you do something like that, I guess, as well. Um, Thanks, Luke, for coming on. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having us.